This morning, the message is really going to wrinkle your brain, okay? It's really going to wrinkle your brain. I'm going to preach a message about preaching. That's weird, right? It's kind of meta a little bit. I'm going to preach a message about preaching. What is the role of preaching in the Christian life? Is it important? Why don't we just sing the whole entire time, right? Why don't we just let people ask questions and we just kind of sit around and talk? Why don't we just read scripture the whole time? Every Sunday, why don't we just do that? What, what is the role of preaching in our lives? Well, man, those are really great questions, and I'm glad that you thought about it so long, because that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So to be honest, most people have never really thought about the role of preaching in their lives. They thought very little about its ultimate purpose. Uh, and some may think it's the preacher's purpose is just to condemn them to hell, right? A lot of people think that. I don't want to go and just hear about how bad a person I am. Other, others think that, uh, you know, it's just a place where they can go and hear a speech about how they can become better people. Some think that, hey, I need to go this week to listen to some preaching so that I can get some spiritual brownie points so that God would bless me and, uh, you know, throw some of those uh, good, good tidings my way. But the truth is, is preaching is a part of worship. See, the worship service doesn't just end when the musicians sit down. John Stott said this. He said, thus word and worship belong indissolubly to each other. All worship is an intelligent and loving response to the revelation of God. Because it is the adoration of his name. Therefore, acceptable worship is impossible without preaching. For preaching is making known the name of the Lord, and worship is praising the name of the Lord. Far from being an alien intrusion into worship, the reading and preaching of the word are actually indispensable to it. The two cannot be divorced. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, the highest worship of God is the preaching of the word. Because thereby are praised and celebrated the name and benefits of Christ. See, when we talk about who God is and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are worshiping. That's worship. When a preacher preaches the truth of the gospel, he is the worship leader and the congregation is the worshipers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Why do we do this? Why do we have this time called preaching where a pastor gets up and talks at us for 25 minutes? Is this really the best use of our time together? Well, Jerry Vine talks about Ezra and how the people of Israel worshipped after uh, returning from years of exile from their homeland. And the people stood in the rubble of the temple amongst the destruction and they found the book of God. They hadn't had access to this book for a long, long time. And here's what they did. If you want to turn there in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll be there for just a few minutes. Read about eight verses. They found the book of God in this rubble of this destruction. And this is what they did in response in verse 1. It says, all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. 
So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and the women, and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on the wooden platform that they made for the purpose. Skipping down, it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It says the Levites helped the people understand the law. And while the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God. And look at this. It says, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Now, there's some important things in this passage. First, we see that the people were all unified around the hearing of God's word. The Bible said they gathered together as one man. The people wanted Ezra to read the book. They wanted to hear it. And they weren't in a hurry. They read from early morning until noon. They set it up on a platform so that the word uh, would be the focal point and so that everyone could hear it. Next it says the leaders read the book and explained it to the people. Verse 8 says they gave it sense so that the people understood they didn't just read the Bible and then say, you know, you figure it out. They taught the word of God and they explained it. But notice this last part. It also says the listeners participated. They stood, they blessed the Lord, they said amen, and they raised their hands and bowed their head. They put their faces to the ground and they worshiped God. See, preaching is worship. But how do we get there? How do we engage like this? How do we make sure that we're not just, uh, you know, brain dead in the pew thinking about all other kinds of other things? How do we make sure that we engage the way that God's word deserves? Well, here's some tips real quick. Jim Chaddix recommends. He says, one, follow along in the passages of your Bible or on your phone. That will help you retain the knowledge better to hold something in your hand, to have this tactile thing in your hand where you look at it. And I know it's up here on the screen, but there's something about holding it in your hand and looking where the Bible says it. And that's why I've, I've been trying to bring my Bible up here is because I wanted to be clear that this is what matters, not my opinion, but what's found in God's word. But holding it in your hand and reading along with it, it will help you keep your attention. Because I'm not a good enough speaker to hold your attention without you participating in it. Don't just sit there and say, all right, you know, entertain me. You, you make me pay attention. you got to decide that I'm going to be a part of this. Next is uh, still your heart and mind. The average uh, attention span is eight seconds. It's getting worse. It used to be 12 seconds, now it's only eight. I'm sure phones and uh, different uh, things that we uh, have added to our lives probably have a lot to do with it. 
But if you're not consciously choosing that I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to make sure that I keep my brain on, then you're going to lose it. You're not going to be engaged in the way that you need to be. We need to purposefully engulf ourselves in God's truth and word and let it capture our imagination. Number three, he says, to feel free to respond. We see in Nehemiah that they responded by lifting hands, by saying amen. Other passages talk about clapping our hands. Genuine response that is all about God and not about us can be an act of worship. Now, obviously, the Bible commands us that everything be done decently in order. And if someone stands up in the back and starts preaching another message, that would be a problem, and I'm going to tackle them, okay? So beware back there. I've heard it, uh, one church explain it this way, to join in without standing out. Don't make it about you, but participation is a Bible thing. The Bible tells us to worship in spirit and in truth. We need both those things. We can use our emotions in our worship without becoming emotionalists. We don't make it all about the emotion, but the truth evokes motion, emotion in us. And to be clear, the purpose of responding is not praising me. It's looking at the truth of God and praising how good of a God he is. Number four, he says, take notes. Let your mind take the mental leaps on how the word of God applies to you and write down action points for yourself. Write down places uh, for you to further study. Things that you're like, I don't really know what that means. And he, he talked about this first, but I'm not sure about that. Let me go back and study this later on. Write down thoughts that stir your love for God. Take time to put it down on a piece of paper or on your phone. Someone said this, that I'd rather trust a short pencil than a long memory. Most of the time we think, oh, you know, hey, thanks, God. And then we never go back and we never think about it ever again. Where could we be in our Christian walk if we actively tried to add things to our lives? If you picked one thing every single Sunday to say, God, I want to add this into who I am. Number five, he says, go back and listen to a sermon that particularly touched your heart. We've got so much technology, we are uh, just drowning in it. And we have the ability to go back and listen to every word. We have the ability to go back and listen to hundreds of other sermons on the very same topic. There's no excuse for us not to be growing in our Christian life. We can make sure that we don't leave the word of God here in the church. We can take it with us and look at it throughout the week and study and go deeper. Go back to your notes. Look at the passage and read through it. See, God set this thing up called preaching. Why? To bring glory to himself. Paul gives us a beautiful description of his preaching philosophy in 1 Corinthians 2, 1. It says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Isn't that awesome? 
That for me as someone that is a preacher is a great relief to me because if I get up here on the stage every or platform, whatever you want to call it, every Sunday and think that I've got to impress you with my words and with my wisdom and entertaining you, then I'm in trouble because I know in and of myself I don't have that ability. But it, it, it comforts me to know that in reality what really will change your life is the truth of God's word. I can't convince you to follow him. But you can decide that, hey, that truth is beautiful and who God is is amazing and I'm going to choose to follow him. Paul says it's not about my eloquent speech or my deep thoughts. It's not about my wisdom. All I have as a preacher is Jesus lived a sinless life. He died to pay the price of our sins and he rose again in victory. So love him. That's all I've got. I've got nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't tell a bunch of great stories. He might not have had tweetable quotes. I don't, I don't see a lot of funny jokes in his messages. All he had was Jesus. Now, Paul might not have been against those things, but he knew in the end nothing can distract from the gospel. See, we can't make God's word any more powerful than it already is. All we can do is expound on its infinite wisdom and give it sense and fill it out. Real quick, Jim Vines gives us practical ways a congregation can be sure that we're prepared for the hearing of God's word. Sometimes we uh, go through a Sunday and be like, man, I really didn't get anything out of that. And I've been there plenty of times. But here's the real question is, were you preparing throughout the week for what was going to happen on Sunday? Were you making sure you were ready to hear God's word? Were you making sure that when you heard it, that you were going to have a heart that wasn't cold and indifferent? He gives us some tips on how to make sure that we're prepared for the hearing of God's word throughout the week. One, pray for the message in advance. Before you listen to God's word, pray that God would let your heart be soft. Pray for a listening ear. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the rest of the people that are going to show up. Prepare your heart by being in prayer. Two, plan to hear the preaching of God's word. Don't plan your week out and then see if you have time left over for the hearing of God's word. I wonder how many times the message that you needed to hear was on the week that you didn't come. Plan to be here. Make it a priority. I'd have got slapped in the face if I ever asked my mom if we were going to church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> now, she didn't beat me, but she would have then. Make that known. And hey, parents, if it's not a priority for you, it will not be a priority for your children. Do not be surprised if they leave church after they don't have to go anymore. Plan to be here. Three, process it when it's over, during the week. Revisit it during the week. Go back to the God's word and look at the text. Read follow-up devotionals that we send. Go and find other teachings that good uh, quality uh, people that you can trust put out. Talk about the message in your small group. Apply it to your life. And lastly, that's the last one. Practice it with your life. Obey what God's word says. God speaks to us in that way. He tells us things to do, 
and then he asks us to do them, and then he wants to tell us more. But some of us are all stuck in the milk of the word, and we're not there where he could tell us what he really wants to tell us because we haven't obeyed the things that he's asked us to obey. Now, there's so many different types of sermons. There's sermons that encourage, there's sermons that challenge, sermons that expose our weaknesses, sermons that, sermons that remind us of the victory that we have in Christ. God's word has a message for every single season. Now, preaching is not a place for a person to become famous or a public figure. Preaching is for God's glory alone. Not every preacher is as gifted or as talented, but what matters most is the message of the gospel is still the same. You can't preach a better gospel. There's only one. It's not important what I say. It's important what the Bible says. And Jesus himself is the most important preacher of all time. Paul encouraged young Timothy about his preaching in 1 Timothy 4.1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. This is what he says. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Here's the different types of preaching. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have, having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. If you're listening to preaching and teaching that never challenges you, that means you've probably found a teacher that is just tickling your ears. It says, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And as for you, always be sober-minded, serious-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul tells Timothy to preach the word. Paul says some might turn away because they want their ears tickled. Some might wander off into myths and things that aren't important. But what matters is that you fulfill your ministry. Preach the word. See, preaching is not a spectator sport. You participate in it. You participate by making sure that your brain is turned on, by taking the mental leaps on how this applies to me. I can't give every example of every sin, of everything that a person struggles with in this room. You've got to say, God, how does this truth found in your word, how does it apply to me? What do I need to change? This is a time of worship dwelling on who God is and what Jesus has done for us. How over and over again, God rescues his people. He walks beside them, gives them hope for the future. We come on a Sunday ready to hear God's word and ready to obey it, to focus our hearts and minds and to find ways to retain God's word and put it into practice. We actively tell God, not my will, but yours. Why do we do this thing called preaching? Why do we spend 25 minutes listening to someone talk? Because it's a Bible thing. Because it's worship. And because we let it change us. And because it's all about Jesus. Every head's bowed and eyes closed. The worship band comes. I know this is a different kind of sermon. 
We're going to do this from time to time. We're going to ask these questions. Why do we do this? Why do we want to do that? We want to make sure that the things that we do are biblical. We want to make sure that we have truth to stand on. But this is all about the worship of our Heavenly Father. Worship doesn't stop when the worship band sits down. Honestly, worship shouldn't stop when we leave this building. But here's the question to ask yourself this morning. Have I changed spiritually? Have I grown spiritually in the last year? Are you closer to God in your walk than you were one year ago? I know that's a hard question. I'm not even sure how I would answer it. But I do know this. That it's not God's intention that we live in apathy or complacency, that we get stuck in ruts and in routine and habit. God's relationship with us is just that, a relationship And routine and habit and duty don't work in a marriage relationship. They don't work in a friendship. Try telling your friend that. I think I need to go out with you and, and you know, have some fun because it's my duty. That doesn't work. Tell your wife that. Here's some flowers this morning because it's my duty to do this and I'm, I'm going to do my duty. And we shouldn't treat God that way either. How are we actively adding things to our faith? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I've been looking at preaching all wrong. I've come and I've sat there and I've gotten through it and then I've left it. I've come and I've walked in the door not prepared, not ready. I've, I've been far too inconsistent to really get anything out of it. Maybe that's your challenge today is that you will commit to taking God's word a little more seriously. And not just in the preaching time, but throughout your week as well. You cannot be a thriving Christian without spending time in your Bible and in prayer. It won't work. Don't blame God for it if it doesn't work. If you're not doing anything on your end. Have you grown in the last year? That's why we do this. We do this to let God's word change us. We do this to worship him. We do this to obey him. We do this because the deeper that we look at God, the more in love with him we become. Let's spend some time this morning.
is thanking him for who he is. Maybe you've got a burden on your heart this morning. Maybe you've got uh, some chains that need broken today. Altar's open this morning. If you'd like to come here, you could use your pew to pray as well. Let's spend some time in prayer, just asking God, God, how do I apply this?